fastest hour of the week where we're going to dive into God's Word and pull out the truths of God's Word, which I believe when you apply them to your life, it not only causes blessings to come into your life, but it gives you the ability to stand during adversity through test and trial. And it also talks about how to live life as a Christian in an ungodly world. And I believe that these truths in my life personally have paid off time and time again. The Bible says that we've, he's never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. And I can testify to that tonight, that when I apply God's word and I maintain uh, a righteousness in my life by seeking God, by living by his mandates, I've never been forsaken and I've never had to beg for anything. That's the kind of God we serve. And tonight we're going to talk about, uh, to me, a very controversial subject. It's the subject on love. And uh, a lot of people have different ideas, I believe, of love, of definitions of love. Uh, you know, in today's society, if, if two people get married and have a relationship, uh, they, oh, well, it didn't work out, and they just divorce, separate, and move on. And, you know, I don't love you anymore. You know, to me, uh, if you don't love somebody anymore, I, I question if you was ever actually in love with them. I, now, I know there are uh, circumstances that can happen that can cause those things, but yeah, as we look through God's word, if you walk in true love, then there'll never be a place where you can say, I don't love that person anymore because according to God's word, we're supposed to love everyone. And it doesn't give, well, you, got, you can only love them if this is this way or if they do that or as long as they do that. You know, you, you have to unlove the unlovable. And, you know, sometimes that, that's easier said than done. But through learning how to do that, you'll learn that as you love the unlovable, you begin to even love yourself even more and understand how fathomless, how endless God's love is for each and every one of us. I mean, think about that. The Bible says that while Jesus was on the cross... We were on his mind. It says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for me and for you. And you think about the things maybe that you've done, mistakes you've made, uh, the times you've turned away from God when you know you shouldn't have, but you've just walked the way of the world. And every time God is he's always there with open arms to take us back in. And I believe when we begin to understand that, how deep that love is, uh, we got a long ways to go. But thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy, because it's through his grace and mercy, we too, that's me and you, can love like Jesus loves. And I can honestly say in my life, yeah, there's people I dislike. There's people that, that uh, you know, can can get under my skin, but I honestly can say that I love them. I may not want to be bosom buddies with them and hang out and be best friends, but I still have a genuine love for them because I know 
that if they'll let God do in their life what he's done in mine, it'll change their life. And it's the same way with you. I'm sure each of you that's watching tonight can sit back and think of people that maybe even right now you struggle to love because maybe they've, they've hurt you, they've caused pain, and maybe it was something in the past. But when you learn that through God's love, you have the ability to love them, it will begin to open up avenues of blessing, peace, and rest in your life. So let's look tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is uh, by scholars and ministers all around the world. This is considered the, the love chapter. And we're going to be looking at the uh, verses 1 through, uh, I believe we're going to go through maybe 1 through 8, but we're going to read it in a, a few sections and discuss it. But starting in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 with verse 1, he says here, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So let's look at that first verse there. It says, though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. Well, there's a twofold meaning there. There's a natural uh, implication in that first verse, but there's also a spiritual side. I believe on the natural side, and some of you may know people like this. I, I do personally. I've, I've met ministers, uh, bless their darling hearts and ignorant heads, but they could prophesy. They could speak eloquently. I mean, when they spoke from a pulpit, I mean, you know, they, they was dropping these bombs of revelation that just, it would almost awe you. It was so profound and powerful, but yet, they were just flat out rude when they wasn't on the platform, hateful to people, smart mouth or sarcastic, uh, you know, and some of you may know some ministers like that, uh, you know, that's on the natural side. And, you know, there's also just regular people. Now notice here, we're talking about Christians. This is not talking about sinners uh, because sinners, sinners don't even understand the true love of God anyway. So this is talking about Christians here, and he's saying that though I speak with tongues of men and angels but have not love, I become that sounding brass and clinging symbol. In the natural, when you find out someone's just a flat-out jerk, you really don't want to listen to what they have to say. Uh, it, it becomes one of those things where whatever they say goes in one ear and out the other. But when you find somebody truly has the love of God inside them, you find that you lean in to what they have to say because you know what they're saying is coming from God and it's coming from the God kind of love. And that's on the natural side. Now, on the spiritual side, um, it says, you know, though I speak with tongues of men and, uh, and angels but have not love, I've become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. If you find yourself 
having difficulty getting prayers answered, getting God to hear you. I just don't feel like he hears me. One of the areas you may want to check is your love walk. Are you walking in God's kind of love? And you say, well, well, how do I know that? Well, let's, let's unpack that because what you may look at is in the natural realm. Let's, let's use this for an example. If you go out to eat at a restaurant, uh, some of you may be generous tippers like myself and my wife. We, we over tip, uh, whether the service is good or whether it's bad, because I want to be a blessing. But, you know, I've, I've been with people before Christians and, and they get their meal and maybe the waitress didn't do the best job. And maybe our drinks run out and we had a, had to ask for drinks and had to wait and ask for napkins or, or whatever. And when we would get ready to leave, you know, well, I'm not giving them a tip. Well, well, why? Well, they didn't earn it. Well, they deserve it regardless because you don't know what kind of day they've had. You don't know what kind of home life that that waitress or waiter has come out of, what they're dealing with. And you don't know that maybe they've had a bad experience at work. Maybe the table before you was very rude and obnoxious, you know, and by you just doing what is right, by walking in love and going ahead and tipping them and even over-tipping to be a blessing, you, by doing that, could reveal to them that there's good people in this world and that they're loved and that, that God loves them. So it's very easy to just give a little extra in a tip because when you don't tip, now you've just made that waitress's day worse. But what happens, you see, is not only that, God's watching. I think sometimes a lot of people have the understanding that because God is God of everything, he's the God of the world, he, he or over the world, he created it, he created me and you, that he, there's so many people on the world that God's too busy to notice if, if I uh, don't tip good or if I mistreat some, if it's, uh, he, he don't notice that, but he does. And you see, when you do things like that, or, you know, if you're uh, hateful to a cashier at a, at a uh, grocery store or somewhere like that, or just arrogant to people, when you do things like that, you see, we are witnesses. We are examples of Christ here on the earth. And you, by, by how we act is how we, we reflect Jesus. You see, when, when you look in the mirror, you see a reflection of yourself. So, you know, when you go to get ready to go out somewhere, go to church, uh, you know, men, you may shave, you fix your hair, brush your teeth, whatever, and then you get dressed and you look in a mirror to see yourself because you want to see how you look to other people. Well, it's the same way in the spiritual realm because when we go out places, how we conduct ourselves is a reflection of Jesus. And sometimes we do a very good job at reflecting Jesus, and sometimes I'm sure he's probably embarrassed because we we miss it. And I'm, you know, I'm not throwing stones at anybody. I have missed it. I have done miserable at times at being the, the right reflection, a reflection of love. And you see, if you're a reflection of Jesus, you are a, a reflection of true love. If you're a reflection of true love, you're a reflection of Jesus because Jesus is 
true love. So you have to understand by the way you act, when God's watching, when you begin to pray, God didn't hear the prayer. All he hears is sounding brass and clanging cymbals. Why? Because you don't have the love of God inside you, and it causes a distraction, a disturbance between the communication with you and the Father. So always make sure that you walk in love. Well, you don't know what they did. Well, nowhere in the Bible says that according to how you're treated is how you love. You see, that's where a lot of us, we, we get messed up because we, you know, I, I've had a, a, a rough past. Well, I understand that. And if you did, uh, I have compassion for you. But bottom line is, if you want to succeed in life and walk with God and walk in the blessings that God has for you, you have to learn to even love those that have done you wrong, those that have hurt you, whether it's uh, a family member or whether it's a close friend. You know, bottom line, you're going to find out in life that people are going to hurt you. You know, I always like to tell people, they, well, I'm just scared to be in another relationship because I've been hurt. Well, the only way you know how to hurt is to love because if you've never loved, you wouldn't know how to hurt. And yes, hurt is, is painful. Uh, you know, it's not something we want to go through. But when you truly love the way God loves, you have to put yourself in a position to be hurt because not everybody's going to like what you like or think what you think. And sometimes people that you feel closest to you may turn away. Uh, but you still have to be able to love them the way Jesus does, because how many times, like I said earlier, have we, through our own desires, our fleshly desires, our, our earthly nature desires, have we went against God? Have we went against Jesus and the price he paid because of our own selfish ambitions and desires? You see, that's the same way people do that to us in the natural, and we don't want to have nothing to do with them, but yet we do it to Jesus more so than we probably would like to talk about or admit, but yet every time when we ask forgiveness, he draws us back in. So always check how is your love walk? How are you perceived in your community? Uh, are you a pleasant person to be around? Do you speak? Are you spoken highly of? You see, those things most of the time are based off of love. And what better way to show love than compassion. If you find a person that is full of compassion, you'll find a person that is full of the love of God. Now, verse two, he says, he goes on and he says, though I have the gift of prophecy, prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I could remove a mountain, but have not love, I am nothing. And you can see by looking at that, that when you, you may know people like I talked about earlier, they may, they may have the gift of prophecy. They may prophesy. They may give words of wisdom and things like that. And, and it usually amazes people and wows people when, when somebody begins to prophesy and give words of knowledge and things and can interpret dreams and different things like that. And just seems like anything you talk about, 
they have knowledge about and can talk with you, well, they may be well and good from the pulpit side, but if they don't have the true love of God in them, they're nothing. You know, and it says that they may have all faith so that they could remove mountains. Now, I like what he says here that, and though I have all faith, that means faith, he, that's not the issue. He has the faith like it talks about in Mark 11, 23 and 24, where he says that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things that he says, he shall have them. If you back up to the verse before that, that's where Jesus says, have the God kind of faith. So if you have faith to move a mountain, that's the God kind of faith. You have all faith. But notice it says, so that I could. It didn't say he did remove a mountain. You see, I believe you could have all the faith in the world, but if you do not have the love of God in your heart, if you are not walking in the love of God, it says you could remove the mountain, but it didn't say they did. And I think that was something I was reading this over this earlier, and it really jumped out at me. It said it didn't say they did move a mountain. It said they could. So that maybe indicates that there was something causing them, even though their faith was strong enough to move it, but because they're not walking in love, it says they're nothing. So maybe that was a hindrance to having a mountain moved. So always check those things in your life. And then verse 3, he goes on here and he says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And, you know, I look at this, and when you look in the world, there's a lot of charities uh, that have the, the covering or the cloak, I would call it, of a Christian uh, view, maybe, or uh, they use that covering, and they give to the poor. But, you know, there's a lot of these, and I went through this on a sermon uh, back last year, I believe it was, maybe the year before, when you look at some of these uh, organizations that, that donate a lot of money to the poor, but then when you look at the money they donate versus the money that comes in, there's a stark difference because they're taking more money in to pad their pockets than they're giving to the poor. Now, I understand these, these organizations have to, you know, they have overhead. They have to have some money to run, but, you know, for the CEO of a nonprofit organization, uh, that's constantly taking in donations to give back out. If they're constantly uh, having salary increases and they're already over a million dollars a year, that to me is a problem. You know, they're doing good from the outside looking in. These things are good, but yet these people are, are envious. They're hateful. They, uh, you know, don't want to be in the public eye. They don't really want to get out there and help the public. You know, I, I've always no watch this. It's, it's been something I've always watched uh, from other pastors, you know, is uh, they'll push for people to come out and do work days at the church or, uh, you know, do different things like that. And then when they do them, some of these, and I'm not, again, I'm not just knocking pastors <laughs> because I is, I is one, but this is just things I've noticed through the years in the ministry but when it comes time to do the work, they're not out there with the, the people working, you know, and that's the one thing I've always noticed. 
uh, from the pastors that, that I follow and even growing up here at uh, the church when my dad was pastor, when we had work days, uh, whatever we was doing, he was always the first, one of the first ones here, always getting into the, the dirt, rolling up his sleeves, sweating, doing the work. And I've always admired that with him and with other pastors that I follow is if you're going to get out and do the good works or talk about the good works, you need to be willing to be there and be visible yourself. Don't ever get in a place where you think that you're too good for other people because bottom line is we're all people. We all live on this world. There's just some of us have got a different destination when the end comes. Some of us is going to eternity, and I can't wait to get there. But moving on here, when he says, I bestow all my goods, these people are constantly giving and donating. And, and from the outside looking in, oh, that's so nice. Look at what they're doing. And I'm sure it, it's helping those people. But what he's talking about here is it doesn't matter how much good you do for other people. If you don't do it out of love, then it don't profit you anything. You can't do all of these good works. And, you know, that goes with faith and works, and that could be a topic, you know, maybe for next week. But, you know, where Paul said, you know, they were fussing about works versus faith and faith versus works. And Paul said, well, you show me your your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith with works. Because to have true faith, you got to do something. You can't just sit there. And it's the same with love. You can have do all these good things, and from the outside looking in, it looks great. But in the end, when you stand before God, it will not amount to anything because out of what you did, you did not express the love of God. You know, uh, just the other night, I took my family. We went to a, a restaurant to eat, a Mexican restaurant. And they had, we got done eating and they had went on out the, the truck while I was paying. And as I paid for my food, a young lady come in and she was ordering her food. And, you know, just by listening to what she was ordering, it was her and uh, two small kids. And right when uh, she went to pay for it, it wasn't much. I just, I said, hey, uh, if you don't mind, put your money back. I said, here, I want to pay for it. Well, that's a good deed. That's, uh, you know, and, and everybody, oh, that's sweet. Look how nice he was. But what I still did is I said, well, it wasn't me. I said, God wanted me to bless you because God wanted me to tell you that he loves you, he cares for you, and he wants the best for you and for your children. Didn't take but just a few minutes. I didn't want the credit. The credit's God's. But just by being obedient, then I had the, the cashier or the lady ringing me out. She was crying. The lady getting her food was crying. But that lady knew when I left that Jesus loved her and wanted her to know it. You see, that profits me. You say, how does that profit you? Because I'm, when you walk in the true love of God and you do what God says, oh, it feels good. Like the scripture says, it's better, better to bl uh, bless or be a blessing than to be blessed. I love it so much. I love getting blessed. I mean, you know, it, it thrills me. Anybody wants to bless me, praise God, bless me. But it's so much better when I can bless people and be able to tell them, hey, Jesus loves you. God cares for you, and he wants you to know that. 
You see, that profits me because when I stand before God, that's part of my reward is because I was obedient and I was portraying the true love of God to other people. So when they looked at me, when they looked at Wesley, the reflection was not Wesley. The reflection was the true love of God. And that's what profits you. Now, in verses 4 through 7, it talks about what love isn't and, you know, is not. And that's somewhere I believe sometimes we, we get a little mixed up and confused. And it says that love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. And it's not puffed up. Now, love suffers long. How many of you have had to deal with people and it is an, it, it, it takes God's grace and mercy to love them? I mean, we all know people like that. We all know people that it, it is, it, 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 it's work. When they come around, you know, you, you may have them, you know, some people you, you may know right now when I say this, you may giggle thinking, I know who he's, I, I, I can testify to that. But maybe when they call and you see their name on your caller ID on your phone, you're like, oh, Lord, here we go. You know, but you have to love them. You know, you're not being hateful to them. And sometimes people get the whole love thing, I think, mixed up. Because love suffers long and is kind. Most people think that the is kind part means that no matter what they do, no matter what they say, I have to just be soft and calm and just, well, it's okay. It's all right. But you see, that's not the true love of God. Love suffers long, yes. That means whether it takes forever, whatever they do, and no matter how many times they mess up, I still have to love them. I may not like them, and I may not like what they did. But the be kind part, I believe if you're truly kind to someone, and this is the way I want people to treat me, and I have I have done a, a, a good job, I believe, at times at putting these kind of people in my life, is because they love me, because they truly cared for me, their kindness was not always a pat on the back. Well, Wesley, it's going to be all right. You just hang in there. It was people that would grab me by the shoulders and shake me and say, hey, man, you need to check yourself. You need to dust yourself off. You need to get up and you need to keep going. Not what I wanted to hear, but it was what I needed to hear. And you see, I believe that that's what true love is. It's not always what you want to hear but it's people telling you what you need to hear. And, you know, when it says that that love is kind, it does not envy. That's another place, you know, when, when people around, and you may know people, like, when people get blessed, thank God and, and rejoice with them. You know, I remember for years uh, when my kids were growing up, uh, we had made the choice, and it was mine and my wife's choice for her not to work a, a, a full-time job, but to stay at home with the children. Well, we knew by doing that that there was going to be things that we may have wanted that we couldn't afford because we were down to one, one income. 
And, you know, there was a lot of times I would see these new, you know, every time they come out with a new body style on a four-wheel drive pickup, you know, all those rednecks, we just go crazy because, oh, man, that's a new four-wheel drive. Man, that's a nice truck. Boy, I'd like to have that. And there was a time when I found myself questioning God. I would say, now, wait a minute, God. That person don't even live for you. That person's this and that person. I was just naming all the stuff that that person is. You know, it's like God didn't know it. And like the, by me pleading my case here and showing God the, the bad they're doing and the good I'm doing, he was just going to snap his fingers and poof, I'd have a new truck. But I found myself, I was envious of what somebody else had. And there would be times it would be Christians that would get blessed. And I would find, man, God, why are you always blessing them? I'm faithful tithing and I'm a giver. And I'm over here, I'm barely making it by. But what I began to see is I was my envy was getting in the way of my blessing. So what I began to do after I got that strong rebuke from the Holy Spirit, you know, that that spiritual spanking that none of us like but we need from time to time, what I began to do when I seen things that I wanted, I would say, God, you are an awesome God. I thank you for blessing that person with that. God, I, I you love your children so much. I hope they enjoy that. I hope they get the uh, the enjoyment out of what they've been able to purchase because you've blessed them. You've made a way for them to do that. And God, I know that when the time is right, I'm going to get to walk in those same blessings and experience those same benefits. And, you know, I begin to see things shift to where I don't care who it is. I mean, it just like Josh is in. If if Josh somebody handed Josh a check for five million dollars, I'd be happy for Josh. I'm not gonna sit back and well, why'd they give Josh five million dollars? I'm the pastor down here. Why didn't you give me some money? You know, I would be I would be ecstatic. I might even be happier for Josh than Josh is. Why? Because I love seeing people blessed. I'm not gonna envy their blessings, what God does for them, and what they have. I'm going to rejoice with them. And then it goes on and it says that love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Now, how many people do you know? And I know we're pointing out a lot of peoples tonight, but that's just the way it's going because we deal with people. But when it's talking about parades itself, everybody goes around acting like they love everybody. But when they get behind closed doors with certain people, they got trash mouth about everybody. That's what I call parading. It's, oh, yeah, I just love you, love you, you love you, you know, and they just hugging everybody and just loving, loving, but then when they get behind closed doors, they're talking trash about them, you know, and I, you probably know people like I do that, I, you know, when I get around so-and-so, I'm going to tell them this, I'm going to tell them that, and they this and they that, and I, but then when they get around them, they act like they're their best buddy. You ain't seen them in five years and, they bring their lost dog back to them, just happy to see them. You know, that's parading itself because a parade, when you parade, you're showing off something. Well, don't show off love, just be love. You know, and that's loving consistently whether times are good or whether times are bad. You know, and then it says it's not puffed up. It, it means it's not arrogant, you know. And that's another issue, a place where I want to stop just a minute is Sometimes when you're uh, 
growing in the word, you get revelation of the word of God and you begin to address situations. Uh, and I've had this said about me many a times, but I've had people tell me, well, you just arrogant. Well, I'm not arrogant. I'm confident. You see, there's a fine line between arrogance and confidence. Why? Because arrogance has not love in it, but confidence is because of the love of God. I'm confident when I speak, when I give the word of God, when I deliver a message, when I'm counseling people, when I bring correction, it's a confidence because it's love. I know that it's God speaking through me because that's where my confidence comes from. So you see, make sure that you're not puffed up. You're not arrogant about things. But at the same time, don't let people run over you. When you know what God's word says, you stand on the word of God. Verse 5 says that love does not behave rudely and does not seek its own and is not provoked. Well, when you talk about behave rudely, that can even go back to how you act out in public, in restaurants, things like that. You know, somebody pull out in front of you. Uh, I went into a food line uh, earlier today to get some some drinks and some things like that. And as I, I parked in the parking lot and as I'm walking to the uh, entrance of food line, a truck is going by and there's a, a man in a, looked like a handicapped van maybe, uh, got uh, Jesus Loves You sign plastered on the back of the uh, van. Well, this truck went to pull in that road for parking, and that van's backing up. Well, the, the guy beeped his horn in the truck just to let the guy in the van know, hey, I'm back here in case you don't see me so we don't hit. This guy in the van, again, got Jesus Loves You or Light of the World, something like that, plastered all on the back glass. He gets out, uh, yells a couple profanities at the guy. I mean, he's dropping the elf bomb like crazy, flips him off, gets back in the van, pulls up a little bit, and then just gets leans out with both hands and flips the guy the bird. All the while, he's got the Jesus loves you or Jesus is the light of the world in the back. Well, see, that's, that's acting rudely. That's being a jerk. If this guy in the Ford truck and everybody else in that parking lot was wanting to see Jesus, that was the wrong place to look. That was absolutely not the place to look was where that guy in that van was. So you see, that guy was acting very rudely. So you have to be careful how you conduct yourself because people are watching. You know, a lot of times we think uh, little kids, you know, little kids' eyes and ears are paying more attention than us as adults will ever realize. So how you conduct yourself around kids, uh, you know, it speaks volumes into those kids' life. You know, and I know even as when I was growing up, uh, watching different people that would, how they would treat uh, my parents while they were pastoring here at the church, how they would treat them, how they conducted themselves, were men, men of their words? Did women, uh, you know, do what they say they were going to do? Did they... I watched and began to watch those things and begin to learn, I think, through those things, how to read people, to tell, is that person of good character? Are they of good report? 
Do they have love in them? You know, and uh, not everybody does. Some people are, like this says, out to see. It says love does not seek its own. Some people are out for their own benefit, their own good. And, you know, they may be your friend because they think that by being your friend, they can gain something materially or monetarily. And when you they find that that's not going to work, then you find out they're not your friend anymore. You know, those people are out to seek their own. Well, that's not the true love of God. And it, true, lo true love of God is not provoked. You know, people that have the true love of God, you, you have to be careful. And I think there's two ways here of provoke, meaning if I have the true love of God, I'm not requiring anything from you to love you. You don't have to love me back. That's your choice. It'd be the wrong choice, but you don't have to be nice to me. You don't have to speak to me. You don't have to do any of those things for me to love you. So my love is not provoked based on how you treat me. Now, the other side of that is if you have the true love of God in you, are you going to act like this guy did at the uh, grocery store today when somebody just beeped a horn? which that's what the horn on a vehicle's for is to let somebody else know, hey, I'm back here. You know, it's a warning mechanism. Are you going to act like that guy? You say he was provoked, and it was found that the love of God was not in him. So those are things that we have to think of. And then it goes on, it says, and it thinks no evil. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. There's, that's one I, I, I have to work on because there's a lot of times, especially dealing with my children, in different things, uh, there's been times, I'm just going to be honest with you, uh, yes, I'm a pastor, but I'm a dad too, and there's a few times that I just, I'm going to be honest, I flat out just want, I wanted to beat the hell out of somebody. I don't know how the hell got in there, but I was prepared to beat it out of them because of the way they had treated my children. And, uh, you know, even uh, this past week, uh, my daughter uh, had a bad situation happen at her job, uh, which she no longer works there now, but she had called that morning and was upset. And, you know, when she told me what had happened, right off the bat, I was not wanting to be the preacher and go lay hands on that lady and pray for her and that God would love her and bless her and, and you know, all that. I was wanting to go down there as daddy and, you know, throw papers everywhere and, and, and slap, slap that person around a little bit. Why? Because... Uh, they had upset my daughter. See, I was wanting to do evil. That was my flesh. So, you had, you know, I had to calm myself down, and then I, I was able to, you know, get, encourage my daughter, give her some scripture, and then pray, and, you know, that things will work out, and they're, they're working out as we speak. But you find yourself sometimes when somebody does something wrong to you, you want to do evil to them. It, it, it's a natural instinct or a natural reflex. Now, I will stop you here, and, and I'm going to put this out there so that you do understand this. If somebody is going to do you or your family harm, physical harm, you have a right, and I don't believe it's evil. I believe it's a God-given right to defend your home, your wife, and your children because your children are your inheritance. 
Your wife is your blessing from God, and it's your job to protect them at all cost. So you so you understand that. Some people think, well, you, you can't uh, fight and defend yourself because that's not love. No, that is true love. That is the essence of love. Because you say, how is that? Because Jesus, who had done no wrong, fought for the souls of millions upon millions upon millions of people that had been done wrong. God's children had been done wrong, and Jesus fought for me and for you by being humiliated, by being beaten at a post, and being hung on a cross and died. Jesus fought for me and you. Well, if he fought for us, then it's our right to fight for our families. That's that's showing true love. So I wanted to clarify that. Now in verse 6, it says, It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Now, some of y'all, maybe you'll, maybe you'll throw a hand up or something in the comments. How many of you has ever had somebody that you don't like, you struggle with, you, you, you just wish, you know, something had happened to them and something bad happens to them and you kind of catch yourself going, well, they serves them right. You know, uh, some people, well, you know, karma. No, there ain't no such thing as karma. That ain't even a thing. You know, but you find yourself rejoicing in somebody else's misfortune, in their iniquity and in their sin when they fall. Don't do that. Rejoice in truth. Always listen for what is right, what is just, what is holy. That's what you rejoice in. Then verse 7, it says, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Well, meaning bear all things. I had given this illustration before, and I believe this will help un, uh, enlighten what it means by bears all things. If you had a friend and you were very close and you'd go to their house and they had a little, what I call a little ankle biter dog, and you walked in that house or walked in their yard and that dog bit you, you can still be friends with that person, but it does not mean that you have to go back in that yard for that dog to bite you again. You understand that, what I'm meaning there? So it means that when I bear all, I will love people unconditionally, but at the same time, I'll bear that. I'll love no matter what they do. I can bear what they do. My job is to love, but at the same time, I'll set up boundaries in my relationships so that I don't struggle with loving them and I don't have to worry about uh, them setting me. Because, look, bottom line, all a lot of, and hopefully everybody watching is saved, but even us saved, holy, sanctified, tongue-talking, fire-breathing, Holy Ghost-filled people, we still struggle sometimes with... Uh, burying all things, <laughs> you know, uh, and believes all things is, it's not meaning that everything you hear, just believe it. But what he's saying is when things are being said good about people, well, that, that ain't that person. I know that person. No, nope, don't say that. 
If, so, if they've done something good, believe it. Believe what is right. He just said in verse 6, rejoice in truth. Hopes in all things, endures all things. That means irregardless of what we go through, my love walk, my love towards mankind, my love towards my fellow brother and sister is not determined by the situation. It's not determined by what they've done to me or what they hadn't done for me. My love for them is strictly based on the love that Jesus has for me. Who am I and who are you to not love somebody when Jesus has loved me and you unconditionally? I mean, that pretty much puts a, puts a halt on the argument, you know, because people are always going to try to rationalize and justify why they don't love or why they reacted the way they reacted. But bottom line is Jesus said, love bears all, believes all, hopes all, and endures all. Well, we got to do it the way he did. But now verse 8, I love verse 8, the very first part. He says, love never fails. But whether there is prophecy, they'll fail. Where there are tongues, that'll fail. They will cease. And where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. But love never fails. What does it mean? You can never go wrong by loving your fellow brother, your fellow sister in Christ, and loving the sinner. You know, one of the biggest misconceptions, one of the biggest, and this, it, it, I get a righteous indignation about this, is, is the homosexual and the LBGTQ, LMNPQRSTV, whatever letter they've added since I've left, last looked at it, they push against the, the Christian church, against God's word, well, you don't love us. If you don't, no, we love you. You just have a misunderstanding of what love is because if they understood love, they wouldn't do it. God loves me just the way I am. Yes, he does, but he doesn't love you just the way you are. He loves you so much that he takes you just like you are, but then he changes you into what you have the potential to become. You see, God loves the sinner and he hates the sin. But you see, that whole uh, sect or group of people have been demonically brainwashed to believe, and I said that, demonically brainwashed, because if you're in homosexuality and you're in transgenderism and those things there, you, have, you are dealing with demonic spirits and you need the devil cast out of you. That's just as plain as I can put it, but that's Bible. You're dealing with satanic forces that are going to ruin your life, and many it already has. But when we don't cave in to their lifestyle, oh, you hate us. No, I don't hate you. I, I, I have never, that, to my knowledge, I have never been rude. I have never been uh, unkind or arrogant to a homosexual. Uh, because of their lifestyle. If that's what they want to do, that's their business. They can do it. That, hey, that's them. But if you start to force your opinion or lifestyle on me, then we're going to have an issue. But I always do it by walking in love. And I found out, I've watched some of them, they'll get mad and upset and, 
screaming, hollering, and all. And I'm just sitting back smiling. Why? Because I'm not mad. I love them. They're lost and they're confused. And you find that with a lot of people in life. They're holding on to parts of their life that has sin in it because they find comfort there instead of tearing away from it and falling into the arms of Jesus where the ultimate peace and comfort is. Well, guys, I hope that what we've shared tonight about love has encouraged you. Hopefully, maybe some of you have been enlightened in some areas where maybe you need to make a few adjustments on how you uh, conduct yourself in walking in the true love of God. Because in the end, as we close this podcast tonight, and you're sitting uh, maybe before you go to bed tonight, just take a few moments and begin to reflect on how much Jesus truly loves you. He loves you so much. The Bible said, "God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I mean, think about that. How many of you would give one of your children to sacrifice a horrible, horrible death so that mankind could live forever. That's true love. I mean, he gave his son, and Jesus had that same love because he was willing to go. And while he was on the cross, he was not just looking at those people around him. I believe those, those fierce eyes of his, even though they were fierce, yet that liquid love come out of his eyes and as they were piercing over the heads of those on the mount or the hill of Golgotha, not only did they see, he see them on the hill of Calvary, but he looked past them in the eons of time all the way to where me and you are today. And he said, they're the reason I'm hanging on this cross. That's love. And if Jesus can love us that way, then who are we not to reflect that kind of love to those that are around us. Amen. Well, guys, our time's up. Do your job. You got to help us, and it's working. Our channel's growing. We're, we're reaching the lost with the love of God. Hit the like button if you hadn't. Subscribe to our channel. Then take and share it on your social media, or uh, if you listen to podcasts, you can text it to some of your friends and family, and, you know, you, you can ask God, who do I need to send this to because... Everybody knows somebody that needs to hear about the true love of God because that love never fails. We'll see you guys again next week. God bless.